And welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen, and joined, as always, by Kyle Jans. Kyle, how are you? Good. We are a lot of the way through. A lot of the way through. We hit the penultimate chapter this time around. That's always a fun word to say. But uh, I, I loved these chapters personally. Yes. Uh, they were just, they're a blast to read. And it kind of like, when you think of Harry Potter, this is what you think of, especially when it comes to this book. Yeah, this was, I felt like, okay, we've had three quarters of the way has been all set up and everything is set up and set up and set And now we're starting to get paid off with some of this stuff and it, it feels good. Again, it feels kind of crazy that like the pacing of this book is, is very odd where it's like mm-hmm. slow, slow, slow. Oh, shoot. Okay. Now things are happening. And when they started happening, man, it, we really got into it. But we did. We did get into it. And um, that's okay because eventually I... we were going to reach this spot. Exactly. I thought that I had found out like this really crucial air when I was reading the book and I couldn't wait to talk about it because as I'm reading, they're talking about the Sorcerer's Stone. And then I was like, wait a second, that's weird. What am I, I'm reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But then of course I am reading a Kobo or a e-reader version and it is indeed the American version, the Sorcerer's Stone yeah. edition. So yeah, all of a sudden, happen. all of a sudden, my, my major scoop was was gone. So but I think besides the name of the stone, I think that's the only difference in this one. So um, my, my scoop was gone, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would have been good if it turns out that she went back and forth between the two stones. Well, you uh, found an error in I did. That- list way when they repeated wand twice maybe that was the error that or a cauldron i can't remember it might have been wand. yeah it was one wand and then right at the end i remember one wand and yeah (laughs) yeah i mean man that feels like uh it was only yesterday but that was seven or eight episodes ago at this point been been flying through these and this is what that's what i mean like the setup took so long and now it all come comes tumbling down downhill like a giant snowball and we're we're about we're about we're about at the end but mm-hmm. before we get to the end we got to go through the last uh, the second last and third last chapters so what are we talking today so we've got of course the chapter 15 the forbidden forest and chapter 16 through the trap door so we've got an infamous uh, detention scene, which I'm I'm really excited to talk about some more because reading through it, I had some questions, and then of there's course a <laughs> there's a few questions, and then through the trap door, which was uh, a blast to read and kind of what you initially think of when you do think of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But uh, why don't you begin? Take us through uh, the Forbidden Forest, and then let's uh, let's break it down after. Yeah, I'm very excited to start talking through the trapdoor. I think that's it's by far the best chapter we've read uh, to this point. But we will go through the Forbidden Forest first. It's no it's no slouch itself. So this chapter picks up right where we left off last time. Harry and Hermione are being led to see Filch, or sorry, being led by Filch to see Professor McGonagall. Harry's trying to think up excuses and um, and he thinks like nothing is going to make this any worse. But then Professor McGonagall shows up and she has Neville with her. Apparently Neville had overheard Malfoy and went to try and warn Harry, um, but instead got caught. And so Professor McGonagall asks them what's going on. Nobody answers. So she comes up with the deduction that Harry had actually fed Draco a fake story about a, a dragon and Neville had accidentally overheard and it was all some sort of um, big, big fake 
um, scenario that it played out. The kids each received attention and lose 50 points, which takes Gryffindor from first place, earned by Harry's triumphant uh, Quidditch win, all the way to last. So when the next morning, the news starts to leak about how all the points had been lost and Harry's really starting to wear it. Even the Hufflepuffs and the Ravenclaws are mad at him because at that point, they're just looking for anybody to um, beat Slytherin in the House Cup. Only trusty friend Ron is still on their side. Harry offers to resign from Quidditch, but Wood says, how's that even going to help? And doesn't let him. But even Quidditch isn't much of a reprieve for Harry because the rest of the team just isn't interested in talking to him. And they're just referring to him as the Seeker, which is a very different book series that we could maybe get into some other time. Um, (laughs) Hermione and Neville are also kind of feeling it, but they're not uh, nearly as well known within the school. So not as for that, not as big a deal for them. But Hermione's trying to keep her head down in classes and, and not draw attention to herself anymore. Harry is actually happy now that exams are closing in because at least there's a distraction for him. And so he's gonna he decides he's gonna keep his nose down, not worried about what other things are going on and just try and keep keep his um, feet in line. But one afternoon as he's walking back from the library, he overheard Quirrell in a classroom. It sort of sounded as if somebody was threatening Quirrell. Quirrell agrees reluctantly to whatever the threats were uh, and hurries out of the classroom. Harry expected to see Snape exit the room, but when he went to check on the room, turns out that the room was empty. He fills in Ron and Hermione on what he heard and, and didn't see, I guess. And Ron assumes that um, it finally meant that Quirrell had cracked and Snape now know how to get past his final piece of magic. Hermione does remind them that Snape would still have to know how to get past Fluffy and that, you know what, they should go to Dumbledore and let him know everything that they know. Harry's worried that they actually don't have any proof and Snape is just going to lie and then that would be it. Plus, they aren't supposed to know about the stone or the dog and that's just going to get them into more trouble. So the next morning, Hermione, Neville, and Harry all get notes that they are going to serve their detention at 11 p.m. and that they are to meet Mr. Filch at the entrance hall. So at 11, they meet up with Filch and Malfoy, at, and uh, Filch starts to lecture them about what how great the old punishments were as he takes them down to see Hagrid. And it turns out they are going to serve their detention in the Forbidden Forest. Malfoy refuses to go into the forest at first and threatens to tell his father because his he thought that detention was just going to be writing lines. Hagrid tells him, you want to stay at school? You have to serve your detention. And they don't write lines at Hogwarts. They make their detentions be something useful. Tonight, something useful. Let's go into the forest and look for an injured unicorn. We'll get into that later. Hagrid tells them that they will be safe because nothing in the forest will hurt them if they are with him or Fang. And so they split up into two groups. We have group one, Hagrid, Harry, and Hermione, and group two, Fang, Malfoy, and Neville. If they get into trouble, send up red sparks. If they get, uh, sorry, if they find the unicorn, then send up some green sparks. Hagrid explains that he actually doesn't know what could be injuring the unicorns because they are, are such a difficult creature to capture. Um, and they go off separate ways. All of a sudden, Hagrid yells at them to get behind a tree because they came across a rustling sound that sounds like cloaks, a cloak going over leaves. Hagrid yells that he's armed, but what actually walks into sight in the clearing is Ronan the centaur. He mentions that Mars is unusually bright this night, but has no idea what is hurting the unicorn. After being pressed, he does say that the forest hides many secrets. Then a second centaur shows up, Bane, who again mentions that Mars is very bright, uh, irritating Hagrid. And so uh, they move on as the centaurs didn't really turn up to be much help. After a while, they see some red flags uh, shoot up. But it turns out that Malfoy had just scared Neville as a joke. And Neville sent the sparks up because he was scared because in the forest at midnight. Uh, So they reorganized the groups. Harry and Neville switched spots. 
Malfoy and Neville keep going, and they actually come across the dead unicorn. Harry takes a step towards it when he hears that slithering slash rustling sound from before, and out of the shadows, a cloaked figure appears and begins to drink the unicorn blood. Malfoy screams and takes off. Fang chases after him, which alerted the hooded finger to their presence in the first place, and the figure heads right for Harry, who is frozen in place in fear. His scar begins to hurt like it's never hurt before, and just before the cloaked figure reached him, it was charged by another centaur, Ferenz. Ferenz realizes who Harry was and that he needs to get him out of the forest and lets Harry climb onto his back. Now, Ronan and Bane appeared, and Bane is furious that Ferenz would interfere with this at all. But Ferenz lets Harry get him out of there and lets Harry know what uniform blood is actually used for, which is keeping someone alive no matter what, but also damning them to a cursed life. He sort of leads the way and lets him figure out that the only real person who would want something like that right now is Voldemort, who might be looking to use the unicorn blood as like a half measure until he can get his hands on the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, Ferenz takes Harry back to Hagrid and Hermione, and that's sort of it for detention. Back in the common room or in the Gryffindor um, uh, castle area, I don't remember what it's called, uh, Harry wakes up Ron and tells him what's happened, and they decide that, you know what, Snape doesn't actually want the stone for himself. He must want it for Voldemort. But Hermione reminds them that as long as Dumbledore's around, they should be safe. Harry gets back into bed, or into bed for the first time, I suppose, and finds his invisibility cloak there with a note pinned to it, just in case. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on this chapter. I really want to talk about the punishment, the detention itself, but let, let's kind of start, kind of yeah. start at the beginning. Let, let's talk about how the, the, the loss of these points in the house cup we see i think they get 50 points deducted each 150 points total and this obviously causes quite a big stir amongst the hogwarts community i guess doesn't it <laughs> yeah so i mean a couple things here out of this one so i hadn't really considered this ever until reading through it this time but like essentially three quarters of the school are furious with harry potter mm -hmm. that's a lot for that's a lot a, of people for a kid like to take on like I know that he sort of spent the whole year being the center of attention, um, whether or not he wanted it or not. Um, but this is like, it's a little bit different when it's negative, excuse me, negative attention. So I don't know. It, it is quite a bit for a, like a mental stress for somebody to have to wear. At, I mean, he's, he's a child at this point. And he's been kind of wearing that mental stress or that mental awareness of it all since the beginning though, right? Like even from the first time he was trying to find his way from classroom to classroom as a first year student, he had everyone kind of gawking at him. But now at this point, like his one action there uh, really sets this negative tone throughout the entire school. And yeah, like it's mentions in there too. He wears it. Like Neville and Hermione, they're just a couple of little kids. They he they're not Harry Potter, right? So right. I mean, that's where it kind of comes in. I, I was curious what you thought about it though, because I kind of thought McGonagall's reaction, obviously they shouldn't have been out of out of out of the rooms or anything. They shouldn't have been up there sneaking out. As far as McGonagall knows, there's no dragon involved. It's just what she believes to be kids getting other kids in trouble like 50 points each seemed like a bit of a severe reaction to me <laughs> right well so do you think it was going to be 50 points each or was it because harry couldn't keep his mouth shut that the 50 points 
became 50 points each. Yeah, that's fair too. Yeah. Did, 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 did Malfoy lose 50 points? I'm not too sure about that, to be honest with you. I tried to. All, all I tried we know to, is that he gets yanked by the year by McGonagall. Yeah, I tried to like get clarification. Um, and it, it wasn't clear if he lost 50 points as well. But mm-hmm. speaking of 50 points, and it goes kind of back to where we talked about like at the beginning of how dumb the rules of points are. Um, but the. They each lost 50 points, but do you not think, and, it, and that took them from first, so 150 points took them from first to last. to last, but do you not think that over the course of the year, Hermione and Harry hadn't earned at least 50 points each towards the cup? So you'd, like, you'd think so. Like they would have just canceled it out. I mean, Harry was earning points through his Quidditch matches. At least, and it, it, Harry's not a bad student. Like he's pretty good. It, it, he sort of gets um, missed because of how good a student Hermione is. But it seems like Harry's like he's pretty close to the top of the class as well. Um, so yeah, if if Harry, uh, let's say he earned fifty through all his actions before, and then Hermione also probably earned fifty, and now okay, now they're Easily. back and they lost their fifty. What is the rest of Gryffindor doing? <laughs> They would have been essentially the difference. Like, okay, maybe Neville wasn't getting 50 points and he maybe didn't get as many. But yeah, like it just seems like that they would have probably had lost just as many points as they had gained at that point. So, right. I mean, so like yeah, the rest it's... of Gryffindor can't be any good. Like if I get like, it feels like maybe 150 points is a lot, but to go from first to last and like way last, like that seems like, I don't know. What is the rest of Gryffindor doing? And then it feels like maybe that's what's added to the resentment is we weren't doing well and you guys were sort of carrying us. And now you let us down after you did all the work to get us in front. That's Um, a good point. I mean, I feel like you couldn't be that angry at them if that was the case, because they would have done such good things for the house before. I don't know. I just, I know that I had talked about the, or we had talked about the point system being kind of dumb, but I mean, I guess if it's keeping kids from like escaping and wandering oh. the halls at night, then it's oh, the house cup system. A purpose. The yeah. house cup system is quite good. It's just the arbitrary. Oh, the, how how the <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think we should keep our eyes on this for next week when we get to the end. Yes. And I think we get a running total of the points. Um, but I want to know how many points were earned total because yeah, I can't remember if they go through it or not. I they think, must. I think, I think we do because I want to know what percentage of those points is 150. <laughs> um, and we can talk more about it at the end, but I almost really wonder if they realized that uh, removing 150 points for this was stupid. And mm-hmm. so we're going to arbitrarily award some points back, but we'll talk about that point now. We'll that's like that the, time. that's like the NHL officiating, right? Who, who oh is the guy? <laughs> yeah well all of them that's all of them that's exactly a disaster but that's uh that could be a whole other podcast (laughs) so Uh, hermione here she she has the ultimate decision she thinks that we she needs to go or that they need to go tell dumbledore what's up because they think snape is going to be doing some pretty bad things soon and the only way to really stop him is going to be to go to Dumbledore so yeah, this, what, did you, what did you think I think this feels like the obvious thing to do like I don't yeah. I don't understand to what the downside is so if they go to Dumbledore like let's walk like, let's walk through it they go to Dumbledore they tell him everything like what are the possible downsides so number one Snape he goes to Snape and Snape says he's lying but they're not going to get punished like they're they're earnest like they they believe it mm-hmm. so I don't see how that's really an issue um like Dumbledore could ask them how they know about the stuff I guess 
I suppose they would have to explain how they know and they could like face a tiny bit of trouble for that. But at this point, they already have committed those actions. Like, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think that they're so scared of getting in trouble at this point, given that they had just lost all those points that I think that they were in a really vulnerable position at this point where they didn't yeah. want to get in more trouble. And the only way that they would have been able to be open about it was to be a little more open about all the things that you were doing wrong to figure it out. That's true. Even, but, yeah. But we know that Dumbledore caught Harry out at nighttime and did nothing about it. Like when we talked times. about the mirror, right? Yeah. And so I think at some point they just got to pass the information along to the smartest wizard in the world who they talk, who they talk about in like just such reverence every time they talk about Dumbledore. It's always, like it came yeah. up, it came up in this time. Nothing so will, safe. nothing bad will happen while Dumbledore's here. Like, yeah. So maybe don't presume to know what he's going to do and maybe just deliver the information as you have it. Um, again, I think you're right. I think the real, I think the ending app just like determining factor was they were afraid to get in trouble again. But this is more like if, if they truly believe that this is going to bring Voldemort back, then um, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> don't want that. Maybe risk getting into trouble. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, Harry comes to the realization that it, at the end of this chapter, that it's going to be worth getting in trouble because I think he he realizes more what he's up against. At this point, of course, there's still just 11 year old kids who are flailing about kind of aimlessly. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, he's still not willing to, but it's once in the next chapter, we can talk, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But when he finds out that the fluffy protection is no longer a thing, yeah. that's when he yeah. decides it's worth risking. And they, I'm, we're jumping ahead, but at that point, they do decide it's worth the risk to go to Dumbledore. And I just think I mean, let's talk about that more later. We'll talk about that one more again. Let's Once talk about the more details. Yeah, let's talk about this detention because it's wild. <laughs> yeah, this is a bonkers detention concept. <laughs> um, so I liked what I did like about it was the concept of detention should be something useful and not something like that has no value to anyone. Like what? Like Haggard made a good point. What value is writing lines over and over again? Mm. Doesn't doesn't teach doesn't teach you anything doesn't really like does it really dissuade you from breaking any rules i don't i don't think so um mm -hmm. so i liked that and that's where all the good aspects of this detention stop um <laughs> because going into the forest at night searching for an injured unicorn is insane <laughs> Especially after the centaurs are talking about how vile of a creature you have to be a vile and hardly human to want to kill a unicorn. And so, yeah, let's send our first year students out to go and look for it. Right. So that's the, my first point is just that they don't actually know what's injuring the unicorns. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not good. Uh, item number two, they don't know that the unicorn is dead, but is an injured unicorn going to be happy to see them? Like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've never met a unicorn, um, but my uh, my experience with wild animals is uh, they're hurt. They don't like being uh, stumbled across. They're mm -hmm. usually very scared, and they usually lash Defensive. out. Yeah. Especially, and I think my, one of my other favorite parts of this is Hagrid being like, we might have to put it out of its misery. Is that something that you... <laughs> want to be subjecting your your youth to here <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i don't know no i mean no i do know the answer is no the answer is you, you just tell them that you're going to try and take care of it and then you do take care of it but not in the way that they think um mm -hmm. so there's that also um why why does it have to be at 11 p.m yes. um 
uh, if an animal is injured, it's injured at the same at 11 p.m. as it is at 10.59 as it is at 9.40. Like, I don't know why this detention couldn't have been at 8 p.m. Um, it seems always, like waiting. I found it kind of funny, too, like that they were in trouble for yeah. being out late. And so your punishment is to remain out late. <laughs> well, and this sort of, it's interesting to me. Be, not, it's not interesting. It's weird. Um, because we talked about astronomy early on when we in one of our episodes when we went through the yeah. classes and the whole concept of keeping them up so late is not good for children, especially <laughs> the first years. Like you gotta, they gotta sleep. And here it is. Yeah. Your detention is we're going to make you stay up. Every kid wants to stay up. So it's not like, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, also things that I don't understand. Um, why do you think the presence of a dog will protect children? Um, I get, <laughs> I accept that the things in the forest might be conditioned to not hurt Fang, but Fang can't speak. Fang can't nope. say, "Oh yeah, these kids, they're with me." So I, why why would that acceptance or protection extend from Fang to children? Well, Fang can't even shoot out the red sparks from his wand if something were to go right. wrong. <laughs> like, shouldn't there be another adult on this expedition? Uh, man, there should have been. And I mean, like, yeah, even Hagrid being the one to lead it is just questionable. He, well, he's think, not exactly a man with a plan. Like, he's got strength to him, but... But I think, I mean, I'm okay with that because I think the idea is that Hagrid is well uh, um, accustomed to the forest. Yeah. So, so that's why I think he, but I don't know why, uh, maybe even like Filch, even just like another adult to provide some level of security. Uh, or I don't know why they actually had to split up. I get that there was a lot of ground to cover, but if it was that important, then there should have been way more people. Every um, horror movie starts <laughs> going wrong when the group splits up. Yeah. And they wasted no time doing that. Almost immediately. Speaking of how, like the groups, when I was reading through this and making my notes and Hagrid's like, all right, so Neville, you... And Malfoy go with Fang. And well, technically, Harry... Malfoy requested Fang. That's true. But the, the pairings were horrible to start off with. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't even have a comment. Yeah, they're bad. I don't I don't know how anyone didn't see exactly what happened happening. Like it seems so obvious that Malfoy was gonna be a dick to Neville. Well um, that and you you take like your two her Hermione's very smart, don't get me wrong, but she's proven that she's not the type of witch who can act quickly in high stress situations. And when you're sending her and Neville alone, like you're kind of, I don't know, I think you're splitting up the good students in that sense who could have maybe reacted or been a little better. <laughs> well, so I don't know about that because so the pairing second set of pairings are Malfoy and Harry and then Hermione and Neville with Hagrid and Malfoy and Harry are with Fang. And I think those are probably the right pairings because I would that say was. of the students, the top two at this exact moment in time, the top two students I would want alone, I think are actually Malfoy and Harry. So yeah. the general concept or the general idea we get of sort of like who are the best students in the class, Hermione's number one, Malfoy's number two. They are the most um, academically um, ranked, let's say, students. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I do trust, especially this early, and we see it, we see it in the very next chapter, I do trust um, Malfoy's street smarts a little bit, just slightly, but just a little bit more than I do Hermione right now. Mm -hmm. That'll change very quickly, but but right now, um, that's sort of how I would, would rank them. So I think those pairings end up okay. It's the initial pairings that didn't make the, sense. The initial ones didn't make sense to me. How you let Neville go more than a foot away from Hagrid 
Stone. Yes, that is is a disaster waiting to happen. Essentially, yeah. speaking so, of Hagrid, um, yes. What the other thing that clued me into like this is a bonkers detention concept is how on guard he was like right away. I hear like a weird sound and he's like, "Get behind a tree! I'm armed." <laughs> if this is how scared I'm armed you are, and dangerous. Yeah. Why are you bringing the kids in? There had to have been. There had to have been a also useful but not dangerous detention thing available and if this unicorn thing had to be solved get the adults in the forest searching for the unicorn well you're traumatizing these kids by putting them in a scary situation you're making them chase after an injured animal who knows like how gory or like injured it is if you even if you do come across it you also know that you're dealing with something that is inherently evil the kids don't know that at this point no. until we until they learn at the end. Hagrid knows. Filch must know. Do you think Hagrid had to get this detention approved, or were they just like, "All right, Hagrid, you take them"? And Filch was like, "Here's the kids. Have fun." Like, uh, who knew? Yeah. I mean, uh, spoiler for later on in this chapter uh, when we start talking least valuable. I want to give least valuable to whoever decided this was an appropriate detention, but we don't know who that is. So I had to go with some other choices, but yeah, whoever signed off on this is an idiot. This is a terrible decision. Do you want the children to be murdered? But no. So yeah, I don't know if it was Hagrid saying, I need some help uh, searching for the unicorn. And then the detention punishment decider was like, well, you can take these kids, but (laughs) it seems like it was not the right thing to be doing. In the in this chapter, we meet um, a few centaurs. They're they're not very communicative. They they're kind of off in their own world. Well, what were your kind of thoughts as we meet Firenz and and all the others? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't really know because I didn't really know what the heck they were saying to each other. Yeah. Um, and so my only real thought on the centaurs uh, is why are they here? Um, like, did they live in the forest before the school? And then it was like, well, we're not going to kick you out of your home, but I don't know what they're doing in the forest. Um, that's kind of the vibe I got from it that they maybe had like respect for Hagrid because maybe he's there often and they're familiar with him, but they didn't want any, most of them didn't want anything to do with the kids. Fire ends or fear ends only wanted to help Harry because he knew who he was and showed a little bit of a human side. But like other than that, it, they they didn't really want anything to do with the kids. And it almost seemed like that they were there just as that third party within the forest who could kind of give Harry some background on what exactly Unicorn's Blood is all about and and why it would oh, be they so were important. An, they were an excellent plot device, no question. Um, <laughs> but in terms of their practicality, I, I don't really I don't really know what they were doing there. I don't I also don't really know. So I was thinking about this as I was reading through it, kind of thinking ahead to the next book when we start talking spiders. Yeah. And like, I was trying to get like a concept of how big the forest is. Um, And I think in my mind, I think of it as being not that big. My elementary school had a forest right beside it growing up. Mm. And it was like, you could, you could traverse the whole forest in 15 minutes. It was not very big. And I think it's more like, a provincial park sized forest. And that's why when you come across some of these strange creatures, it's like they're here because no one even knows they're here because there's so much space is where I think yeah. I landed. Yeah, so that was I think that's the way to go because yeah. yeah, for sure. It's definitely, I've always thought of it as a pretty big area. Yeah, yeah I think I it guess. is. Yeah. 
it'd have to be to be able to hide all these creatures and that type of thing. But then again, on that point, if you're, how likely do you, do you think it is that you're even going to come across a unicorn if it, the place is that big? Well, this is, this is why, this is why I was battling in my mind. Cause I, I didn't know, which is why I thought maybe they needed way more people to do this unicorn hunt. Way more adults. Not yes first year yes. or kids. all the first years together yeah, exactly yeah uh, strength in numbers exactly so what about this chapter did you not remember really a lot of the the stuff from the forest i i actually did remember what i had kind of forgotten about was the aftermath of them getting caught in the astronomy tower and just how hated school-wide Harry, Hermione, and Neville had become after losing the points. That part totally uh, had slipped my mind. I had forgotten about that. So I thought it was kind of interesting because it actually does kind of lead or does play an impact on their decision making. Yeah, it definitely too. does. It definitely does. Yeah. We talked about that a bit and, and you warped me around to, to the correct, I think, spot, which is it's what made them gun shy about going to Dumbledore now versus mm -hmm. later. I think mm -hmm. if they hadn't been caught, and they hadn't gotten into trouble. I think they're less afraid to do it. And yeah, yeah, that's fair. I didn't. I had actually forgotten about the centaurs totally and their role once they oh. showed up. Once they showed up the first time, I was like, oh yeah, I remember how they impact. But as we were going through it, when they were like, show yourself, I thought that was when the Voldemort ghost was going to be there. Um, yeah. But then when the centaur stepped, I was like, oh yeah, actually now I remember because I, I was also confused. There were a couple of them. Because I, I was, I had forgotten, I was confused. I thought I had like totally messed it up. And I was like, I thought Harry went off with Malfoy, but no, Harry went off with Hermione and then they switched. So I guess I forgot that too. Mm -hmm. Last episode, we talked about it and I did correctly remember that the fourth person was Neville. You did get that right. But yep. I had no idea why Neville was in detention. So when, I had, when they, they're like, she showed up with Neville and I was like, great, why? And obviously they answered that right away. But I was like, I don't know why it's Neville. I just knew it was Neville. Um, you followed the gut and it was correct for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So we've talked about a lot of things that don't make sense, but that was uh, basic. Like when I was writing out my notes, it was just, I just wrote everything under what didn't make sense. Cause none of the detention did make sense. Okay. So we've already sort of talked about my, my couple of my points. We talked about, um, the points and how much our points actually worth. So we don't need to get into that again. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the centaurs. The only other thing I had on the centaurs was, I don't know how they knew about the stone. And if they knew about the stone and knew about other things for being able to read the future from the stars, they should be more useful with that information. Um, <laughs> but okay, they're mystical creatures that are, I imagine, live fairly isolated. So maybe kind we can off walk in their that. own world. Yeah. Which brings me back to my only real thing that doesn't make sense. And maybe it does make sense. And we just want to pretend like we don't know why it makes sense. But why does Dumbledore give Harry the cloak back? Yeah, I mean, that was probably something that I would have written down. I mean, we know why it makes sense. And Dumbledore has like this need or this understanding that he's going to be like slowly teaching Harry <laughs> about what his what his life yeah, is, I mean, who his arch enemy is. But he's, yeah, he's grooming Harry for what Harry has to do uh, years from now. Um, and he but, starts but, out right away with, we're going to put you in these situations <laughs> and we're gonna see um see how I, you do right like, and i wonder how much danger harry was actually in and again that's a conversation i want to take um next week when we go through the last chapter but yeah that's the only that's the only rationale i can have is that he gave him the cloak back so that he would go through the trapdoor. yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And from that perspective and from that greater good versus evil perspective, it makes sense. But from the purely perspective of you being like the headmaster of a childhood education system, it, it doesn't make sense. And I guess when I, when I was thinking back before we started reading, I didn't really think that Dumbledore was making these decisions to try and like push this kind of thing on Harry. I didn't think they had started so early. But they did like he, yeah. g- he gave him the, the cloak right away. And I guess in hindsight, like it should have been obvious that you don't give a kid the free reign of the castle using an invisibility cloak unless you want him to use it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, especially mysteriously. Right. He didn't he didn't step in front of him and say, here's your cloak. Um, Harry doesn't know who it came from. So I, I guess like I do think Dumbledore really early on wanted to see what Harry was made was made of. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it I guess it makes sense, but at the same time, you're right. Like a leader of an education should not be making those types of choices, regardless <laughs> of the circumstances. Because I'm curious, and I don't think we'll ever really figure this out, but as to when the whole Horcrux discussion becomes finalized, because otherwise, how do you know that Harry has to die? Die. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. So again, just think, I, I think that should be sort of a running theme we, we want to keep our eyes on is these decisions Dumbledore makes with Harry's safety. Um, what are they? And, and keep our eyes out for them. Because I That's think the cool part about this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think kind of on this one, um, I think Dumbledore truly felt that Harry was in no danger and whether or not he was, we'll talk about, um, but um some of the i think especially early on i i don't think he's i don't think dumbledore is actually putting him in these situations the way he does at the end um mm-hmm. like, like i don't again i don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves but in the next book harry does that all i think on his own um i don't think there's too yeah. much dumbledore interference so yeah um i don't have anything else really for this chapter to talk about what about you kind of go off your last point and we'll, we'll talk about it or i'll bring it up a little bit in the next chapter as well as harry yeah he once he learns a little bit more about the real situation he he takes on more of these initiatives on on his own for sure the the only other thing that i just thought that was kind of interesting or and was made me kind of realize is um you see we know how we were talking about how the kids were gun shy to go to to Dumbledore because they figured that, uh, you know, Dumbledore might not believe them. Snape would just have to say, no, that's not true. And then there's also a point in the chapter where they say Quirrell wouldn't back them up. And I thought that was interesting because like, how do they know? They don't converse with him at all in the book besides think, occasionally passing yeah. by him. And I then think it they just, just kind of made me realize too that like this entire book, we don't actually get to know quarrel very well besides like what others think about him and when they're like spying on him in these like different rooms and stuff yeah i mean they definitely make a huge assumption that quarrel is the guy that they think he is he has no backbone they think he just got bullied into revealing the secret by snape so my guess is that their view on this is quarrel's not going to stand up for them and tell him that he screwed up yeah um, because they true. wouldn't because they wouldn't do that because they're 12 that's or 11 true. i guess they're only 11 we've been saying 12 oh, a lot i guess they're only 11, 11. um yeah but I don't think there's much of a difference. Uh, but so, yeah, that's my only thought there is I think they made that assumption based on um, just their general lack of belief in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was about it for me. I mean, let's let's get into some some quotes. Uh, wh- what were some like portions of the chapter, some quotes that stood out for you here? Yeah, so I just have one in the middle of the forest uh, scenario when 
Ferenz has rescued Harry and Harry's now sitting on Ferenz's back as they're about to try and uh, get out of Dodge there. Bane shows up and he goes, have you no shame? Are you a common mule? I like that. A little bit of uh, shame between uh, the different members of the horse family. I looked up the word for horse family, but I can't pronounce that. So I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. So I like that. That that I found funny of, you know, everybody thinks they're better than than somebody else. And I guess in the four-legged creature world, the mule is the bottom of the... Bottom they're of the, the bottom mule. of the rung. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what about you? I, I had a couple um, quotes. Um, I'm finding that a lot of the quotes that I'm drawn to now are the ones that are kind of showcasing some of the personalities and traits Um of these characters. So when they initially get caught by McGonagall and they're in trouble, um, Hermione is the quote is Hermione was trembling, excuses, alibis, and wild cover-up stories chased around Harry's head. And I just thought it was an interesting example of how different they are under that stress where and how they respond to being in trouble. So it switches from the norm where Hermione is the one who has all the answers to kind of freezing under the pressure. And Harry, as we're continually learning, is very quick to to act on his feet a lot so that that one kind of stood out to me like and then we get like our first real description of Voldemort and and who he is in this chapter when fire ends or fear ends uh, the centaur is describing what type of evil doing would take the blood of a unicorn so like saying only one who has nothing to lose and everything to gain would commit such a crime the blood of a unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You That's a good something. quote. Yeah. I thought so, about that quote, but it was too long for me to want to write it down. I ended up writing it all down. And then like the other part here about how you live a half-life, a cursed life from the moment it touches your lips. And then it's kind of interesting because I think it's this chapter as well where Harry connects that to what Hagrid said about Voldemort being like I don't think he's dead I don't think I think he was too evil to be killed or whatever so it's just kind of interesting that all those little pieces get connected there when you read through it again yeah no that's good okay well I think we can we can finish this up with some least and most viable characters um I actually had a hard time with both of these uh, selections so I talked about earlier I wanted to pick whoever decided that it was reasonable for the kids to go look for an, something killing unicorns, but I don't know who it is, so can't pick that person. <laughs> um, I kind of thought about Harry and Ron for not listening to Hermione about going to Dumbledore. Uh, I kind of thought about Filch for just kind of being a jackass, trying to scare the children even more. But I think at the end of the day, and it's pretty weak and it, it's unfortunate for this character, but I did go with Malfoy, um, mostly around not taking the unicorn hunt seriously and scaring mm-hmm. Neville uh, was my yeah. b- big motivation. And then obviously he just abandoned Harry, but I don't, I don't really fault him for that. He's pretty scared. He's 11. Um, I also thought it was funny that he threatened his, to go tell his dad. Uh, his you know, dad's not, not going to be able to do much. Not the most um, heroic uh, way to present yourself in front of your classmates to go do that. But so at the end I went with Malfoy, um, but it was mostly like everyone was kind of bad i i guess now i'm thinking i kind of want to switch and i kind of actually want to go with bane the centaur for like (laughs) actively not wanting to help Um, that would be a very good option as well i think i'm gonna switch i'm gonna switch i'm gonna go with bane the centaur because he obviously knew more than he let on and that could have been helpful to hagrid trying to figure out what was going on 
could have mm-hmm. kept the kids out of danger. Um, but he mostly just wanted nothing to do with it um, and just sort of wanted let to let fate unfold as he thought it was supposed to, even though he potentially could have uh, let some people get injured. So I'll go with Bane this tour. Ah, a little, little uh, audible there. I like it though. And I mean, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that your initial one was whoever thought of the detention because the only thing that I put down for this in my notes was the school system for putting these kids in danger. <laughs> so, I mean, I had the same train of thought as you here because it was just absolutely insane that these kids were. So, I mean, uh, might have been a bit of a cop out for myself, but like I made the assumption that Hagrid was involved with this. And so I don't I... think it was Hagrid at all. I think Hagrid just got told <laughs> he was getting some help. I don't think Hagrid would ever request that kind of thing. Um, uh, that's we'll fair. Leave, we'll leave it blank, um, but we'll make reference to the fact that it was whoever it was that decides um detention I, I i'm very curious if we could find that out but um yeah i don't, I don't, I don't know the one i don't know if to. we will yeah what about mvp for you yeah um i wanted to just say no one um because nobody really does anything uh useful uh for this but i guess at the end of the day at the end of the chapter somebody helps somebody and that's Ferenz jumps in, yeah. saves Harry, uh, even though centaurs, I guess, are not really supposed to interfere with uh, the rest of the world. And even though Bane was sort of getting on his case, trying to pressure him to just leave Harry there to get attacked by whatever creature. So mm-hmm. so I did go with Ferenz the centaur. So I went with two centaurs. Um, I, I went with Ferenz for myself as well. I mean, he it kind of seemed like he went against the norm or what was expected of him. It seems like that. I think when, as centaurs, I'd have to look it up, but it seems like that they have have this reluctancy to be treated as horses I think they probably see themselves as like smarter beings than that and it would probably be a pretty big sign of disrespect aka like a mule for a human to be riding them for their enjoyment or whatever so it was I thought awfully uh, a little bit heroic of Ferenz to be able to allow Harry to go on his back so that he could save him from some trouble so that's why I went with him with that for for that yeah that's fair uh, I've done some quick searching here. It looks like later on that Professor Umbridge starts mm-hmm. um, setting detentions, uh, but it doesn't necessarily say who. I know. I know. Next book, we'll talk about uh, Professor Lockhart came up with some detentions. I think it's sort of uh, uh, kind of depends on who it is. I, I think it's sort of what I'm seeing here. Is it kind of looks like the person who is, who says you have detention comes up with like is this McGonagall? It could be. I mean, or is it Filch? It feels like maybe it's Filch. No, because he would have chosen he would have chosen something way worse. I don't know that we'll ever know. Yeah, I don't think we will. I wouldn't feel comfortable giving it to McGonagall either, just because we don't know for sure. Yeah, well, that will be a mystery. If anyone knows who, let us know. But um, we'll just move on because I think we could be here a while. So. That's sort of it for chapter 15. And now we can move into um, the next chapter, chapter 16, through the trapdoor. This is like the ultimate chapter. This is the one that you think of when you're either watching the movie or playing the video games or anything like that, where we go through all the different uh, protections put in place as we get into the final chapter here. But uh, let's begin anyway. The, uh, the students have now managed to complete all their exams and while Hermione and Ron are feeling a lot of uh, relief about this 
Harry's uh, stress and worry levels just remain at, a, at an all-time high at this point. So at this point now, they're at the end of the year. It's said that they have a week off as they await for their exam results. The weather is outside. The weather outside is getting super beautiful. Kids are spending time outside by the lake. But all Harry can really focus on is this pain that he is continuously feeling in his scar. And as we learn, it's obviously one of the telltale signs that Voldemort's in proximity, but he just doesn't quite know it yet or can't make this connection quite yet. Um, Harry's really concerned about the safety of the stone, the safety of others, the return of Voldemort, while the others are feeling very uh, relaxed and they're not too worried about it because, again, they, they repeat the, log the logic that as long as Dumbledore is at Hogwarts, it'll be safe and everyone will be safe. And that Snape would also never be able to get past Fluffy because Hagrid, uh, one of the only ones who knows how to get past this three-headed dog, would never betray Dumbledore. So this sets uh, Harry off on a, on a new and very sudden train of thought. And he has to rush right away to go visit Hagrid because now he's connecting it. And he thinks it's awfully suspicious that Hagrid, the, the guy who wants nothing more than a dragon in his life, just happens to run into someone who has an egg and is willing to give it to him over a game of cards. So Harry's suspicious now and believes that there probably was a sense of, of manipulation going on here. So Harry questions Hagrid and he does reveal that the details are a bit hazy because the stranger kept buying him drinks. He doesn't recall what the stranger looks like either because he was covered in a cloak the entire time. Hagrid uh, tells this individual that he is a gameskeeper, can care for all kinds of wild animals, and the stranger offers to play a game of cards for the dragon's egg, but only if he can prove that he could handle such an animal. So Hagrid wastes no time. He brings up Fluffy and how he can easily care for this animal because all he has to do is play some music and it'll fall asleep. This sets off alarm bells for, uh, for Harry and the crew, so they immediately now believe that they have to go off and tell Dumbledore what's up because there's nothing protecting the stone at this point. However, they run into McGonagall in the halls and she informs them that Dumbledore had to leave for London at the request of the Ministry of Magic. So at this point now, Harry throws caution to the wind. He decides to tell Professor McGonagall what they know about the stone and that someone is trying to get it. She's shocked that they know anything about it, but she assures them that it's perfectly safe. They should just go outside and enjoy, enjoy the day. They also run into Snape in the halls, who, again, has a bit of a clever smirk on his face and says that they should also be outside on a perfectly nice day. They shouldn't stick around because they wouldn't want anyone to think that they're up to something. Harry uh, puts together a plan, which fails pretty quickly. Uh, the plan is Hermione is going to keep an eye on the teacher's lounge under the guise of wanting to talk to Flitwick about her exam. Harry and Ron are going to go to the third floor corridor, corridor, but they had already tipped McGonagall off. And she was so she was already there by the time they got up and she threatens to take away another 50 points each from Gryffindor. They go back to the common room and now they see that Hermione's back really quickly, too. Uh, Snape had come out to see her right away and instantly got Flitwick at her request. 
Uh, so after that, she had no excuse to really be hanging around the teacher's lounge anymore. Harry decides that he's going down, uh, he's going to go down through the door that evening. He has to. Uh, it's more important than the House Cup. It's more important than getting expelled. He realizes that it's essentially life or death at this point. So Ron and Hermione, after initially being against Harry going, decide that they're going to go as well. That evening, they're attempting to sneak out of the common room with their invisibility cloak only for Neville to find his new courage and the ability to stick up for himself. And he tells them that they can't go out into the halls because it's going to cost Gryffindors more points and he doesn't want them to lose anymore after the whole dragon incident. So Hermione reluctantly puts Neville into a full body bind curse so that they can get past him, even after Neville looks like he's prepared to fight. So they get over to the corridor Fluffy is there and they begin to play a song on a flute that Harry received as a gift from Hagrid. How convenient. Fluffy starts to fall asleep. They uh, see a trap door and while they can't tell how deep it is, all they see is total darkness. So Harry jumps down first, lands on something really soft and plant-like. So he calls the others down, tells them it's okay. Ron jumps down first, lands really soft. They're all good. Hermione gets in last and realizes that the other two are getting tangled and caught in devil's snare and starting to slowly choke them and, and really just tangle them up. So she freaks out, saying that they need to start a fire, but she doesn't know how. Ron says, you're a witch. What do you think? So she starts the fire with her wand. The plant uh, releases its grip as it can only thrive in dark and damp areas. So after that, they head into the next room. It's filled with hundreds of keys and a locked door at the other side. So Harry being the youngest seeker in a century, uh, something that we still haven't actually decided if it's impressive or not. But he I think it uses is. that. I think it is. <laughs> We've decided that it is. Yeah. <laughs> so he uses his talents uh, along with the help of Hermione and Ron, and they kind of sanction off this key they find it because it has a crumpled wing and it just looks slightly different from the others so harry manages to catch it and they unlock the door and they head into the next one so this we've had a room where hermione's been able to use her talents harry uses his talents the next room here is for ron so it's a big wizard's chess game a game that we know that he's really good at so they each take one of the pieces on the board and start playing this game only to realize that when chess pieces are eliminated they're getting violently beaten down and broken so ron realizes that the only way that they can win is if he sacrifices himself so he ends up doing it gets knocked out by the queen really hard gets knocked out completely but it does allow harry to get a checkmate and then they do move on Hermione and uh, Harry go on into a room where a troll's already been knocked out and defeated, so they get to skip ahead. And then there's a room with seven potions. And when they get into this room, there's a black fire in front of them, purple fire in the doorway they just came in. There's a riddle about the seven potions that give hints about which ones will allow you to go forward which one's to go backward, which one is just wine, and which one will kill you. Uh, it's not exactly a potions puzzle. It's more of a logic puzzle that, after some thinking, Hermione solves. However, the potion itself, to get for forward or to move forward into the next room, there's only enough for one person. So it's decided that Harry will take that potion to go forward. Hermione will go back to go help Ron. Harry takes the, the potion, steps through the fire, 
and there is someone in the next room. It's not Snape, but it's not Voldemort. And that's it. That's it. That was that a, is it. Uh, just a that's quick a, little chapter. That is, I looked it up before we got started. That is tied for the longest chapter in the book with uh, the, the boy who lived. The boy, yeah, I guess so. The boy who lived. Yeah. Um, so that is, yeah, the longest chapter. Uh, and I think more than the boy who lived, man, a lot happened. Um, yes. So I think we can start at the beginning and work through it. I want to start with a quick discussion on their exams. Um, okay. Because I thought um, just a couple of funny or fun anecdotes before we get into some of the serious stuff here. Um, I liked how it talks about how Snape is trying to intimidate them to forget how to make a forgetfulness potion. Because, um, yeah, I also, think I also think it's funny that they have to make a forgetfulness potion when what you're trying to do with an exam is remember or re uh, have them demonstrate what they remember. So I thought that was ironic. <laughs> so I like that. I'm with Ron, who did not want to talk about the exams after they're written. I didn't want to know. I don't want to know if I got the answers wrong. I don't want to know how you got them. I wrote a lot of exams in university. I did a very good on some. I did very bad on a lot. Um, I didn't want to know until I got it back. Um, otherwise, yeah. I'm just going to fret. And plus, usually you had to go right into another one. So what, there's no time to worry about. The well, that's exactly wrote. it, right? Like, and, and once you get to the end, I get it. And Hermione is obviously the one who wants to like recap and do everything. But when that's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just want to, I want to drop it. I want to forget that it ever happened. I want to take yeah. that forgetfulness potion. I thought it was kind of interesting too, how a lot of it, and it makes sense, but like, it wasn't just written exams. A lot of it was like demonstrating your abilities, which I guess makes sense in the end, but. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I had like my computer engineering degree, the amount of times we had to physically write code in an exam. It's so dumb because like, <laughs> Yeah, when you're writing code like by with a pencil, it's the dumbest exercise. <laughs> and and we didn't have practical parts to our exams. Like we did labs and we had projects and stuff, but like it was it was a part of a, it was a mandate by our faculty that no final exam could be worth less than 50% of your final grade. Mm -hmm. So, and it might have even been 60%. Like so the, the final exam was worth a lot because your midterm would have been worth some. And then obviously your labs and your, your assignments throughout would have been worth some, but it's like, okay, in a, in a course that's generally about programming, the majority of the value of your grade is based on being able to write code by hand versus <laughs> actually like, doing it. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, it's good that they have both. I did like that. Um, my favorite thing about their exam thing is that they had this whole week off after they finished their exam before the I results came back. I thought it was kind back. of interesting. Yeah. Like what a great, like what a great experience. Like, okay, you're at school with all your friends. You don't have any exams to study for. So you essentially have a week of hanging out without adults around. Like mm -hmm. that sounds awesome. That would have been probably the time where they got in trouble the most. I imagine. Uh, you would think so. Um, <laughs> but like, that was always the shitty part. Um, uh, in university is you'd finish your exams and maybe you'd have one or two days and then you had to get usually because we moved like every four months we would of go course. from school to co-op so it was like well we had to get out and get to our new spot because usually a lot of us were like moving across the continent somewhere yeah. so there wasn't that time for a big celebration usually we would have like a big party on the night of the last exam and then everyone would clear out within like the next two days maybe three days but we didn't have a lot of these like um, really big gaps where we could hang out after exams without the stress of them lingering over us. So that I was jealous of because that sounded awesome. It makes sense, I guess, practically, right? Because you're assuming 
the teachers, I guess, are marking the exams, although they're magic and they could probably just do auto mark or something, right? Well, but I guess I'm assuming like, the week would take for them to mark all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess they don't have the internet and they don't have computers. So they're probably marking everything by hand. So you got to yeah. read it all. Um, so the only thing is like they could have just sent the kids home and then sent them their grades after. But maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a good reason why they got this week. I just think, you know, it's awesome that they got it. Uh, I wouldn't, no one's going to complain. Nobody wants to go home, like when they have that option. So exactly. It seems like it's like super peaceful. Like the weather is finally turning nice. They're outside. There's a giant squid hanging out in the lake that you can go and visit and see. And yeah, there's lots to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So part of this, uh, everyone should be having fun is the teachers telling them to go have fun, but they, once they discovered that the Fluffy's defenses had been known by somebody other than Hagrid, they they go to McGonagall, and what happens is essentially what Harry said would happen, which is she blows them off. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to completely erase that they still should have gone to Dumbledore before because they're not telling Dumbledore and he's not blowing them off. McGonagall is blowing them off. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I but- just, I thought the whole reaction was pretty underrated from her i don't know if i had someone telling me that stuff i'd probably would raise a lot more concern for myself that's 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 interesting i i think that this is exactly the reaction i would have expected and i talked about that before when they were looking for nicholas flamel and like they could have just asked the librarian they could have just asked her (laughs) it's not going to raise alarms like because people are generally they don't expect much out of you and it so like this is what I thought. This is what they thought was going to happen. So it's kind of like they, if they they kind of played both sides to always be on the losing side of like, what are the teachers going to think equation? Um, <laughs> but I mean, to me, the big takeaway from this is it just makes their decision to not go to Dumbledore earlier that much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also validates that that the decision they make, which is like they got to go through it because nobody believes them. So they have to go. So it, it validates that decision for them a little bit um, because at this point, they don't think any adults are going to believe them. They told the one that they trusted and she she didn't believe them. Yeah. Whether or not she should have, we could we could debate, but it's irrelevant to them because she didn't. So although she didn't, but I mean, like she must have been aware because the first thing that she did as soon as they were told about it was she did end up going to the third floor corridor where she did catch them once again. Exactly. And told them to bugger off. But yeah. And and we don't know what else she did, right? Like they didn't let her in on all the things they thought they knew. Yeah. Um, and even if they had, they were wrong. So it wouldn't have helped. But we don't know that she didn't send an owl to get Dumbledore back. We don't know that she didn't, like, we don't know what she did or didn't do. But um, I don't know. I, I sort of expected more out of her. I did too, this chapter, I got to say. But uh, I guess that's all part of it. And I mean, at this point now, we have, I want to talk about the character growth, but let's talk about all the tests and stuff first, where they allow all that to happen. And I guess the first thing that came to my mind, and I think you'll probably agree, is that all these like tests and protections for the stone were not very good. Uh, they were utterly useless. <laughs> like, so let's look at who gets by the, the, the protections. Quirrell, who is not a very good wizard from everything that we know. Yeah. Three 11 year olds. So who is it keeping out? Exactly. Um, Especially like this fluffy here. That I yeah. think is the best protection that was in like, like we'll torn. go through them. Like don't answer yeah. right now. Well, let's okay. go through them. 
Let's talk about what happened. And then let's, at the end, let's cycle back and think what we think are sort of the better ones. Um, and then the ones that don't seem all that useful. So obviously Fluffy's first and Fluffy, the only way to get by is to know the trick for this dog, which, okay, that seems like you have to know the trick for this dog. Now, how they found out is Haggard is a weak link, can't keep his mouth shut. Mm -hmm. um, but I think actually I would say credit to both Quirrell here and the kids for getting this out of him. Um, I think Fluffy was pretty good. Um, but once you knew the weakness, the weakness is not that hard to perform. Right. Yeah, it's not like that, the weakness. That's the biggest is, thing. It's not like the weakness is climb on his back and scratch between six of all six of his ears at once. It's yeah. play some music. It's which is like a super easy thing to do. And like in that type of situation, I think I'd rather have like a very mean looking and maybe mean acting guard dog that is a normal dog size as opposed to maybe three right. a large three-headed dog that just falls asleep at the first sound of a lullaby, basically. Exactly. All right. So next up was the devil's snare. And I liked this one. Um, liked it too. This one is, I like that as like a, especially as like the first op, first real obstacle is if you panic uh, right away, you lose. I'm thinking it's like similar to quicksand, right? Where the more you struggle, yeah. the more you're getting sucked in by it. Right. Especially if you're jumping in well, it's strangling unknowingly, you. right? Yeah, and it's like, strangling you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you probably you expecting it. No, you'd probably be like, oh, let me push off. And as you push, like, oh, now it grabs you. Like, mm -hmm. The only thing around this one, and it's the same thing with Fluffy, is once you know what you have to do to get by it, once you realize what it is, it's not that hard to get by. It's not that hard to get by when you have three of you that can manage it. And yeah, Hermione saved their asses there. And I guess anyone who can realize it very quickly before the devil snare takes full, takes the, you know, the ability of your wand waving arm away because once you get to that point you're done but right, like well, if this it's, is why if like it's it. slowly wrapping up against your leg or whatever and you realize what it is quickly you can counteract it i guess pretty quickly yeah this is why i liked it because i think um and we know that coral would have known what it was um so once you knew what it was and if you knew how to beat that it's not that hard but figuring yeah. out what it was in time makes it a challenge so that's why i think it was a good obstacle um but again, it has a weakness. Next up was the keys. <laughs> this one, um, okay. I, I don't know how Quirrell got by the keys because we know that Harry's an exceptional flyer, but he needed the help of, of Ron and her. Or maybe he didn't need the help, but he certainly used he Ron He did. He, he used them for sure because they all kind of corralled it together with right. the help of them, right? It was a team effort. So to me on this one, the fact that Quirrell was also able to do it I think it makes this less impressive that they got by it. Um, I don't know how Quirrell did it, and I will never know, but he got by. Um, and maybe he just had some magic that unlocked the door, which, again, doesn't look good on the defense system. But I don't know. Two oh, yeah, I was kind of kind of torn about that one. And then, like, Harry and them, they had the advantage of being able to kind of tell a little more easily what key was the correct one, too, essentially, because it was crumpled up and realized it looked a little bit different right credit to ron who was pretty astute right away being like okay we're looking for an old silver key because it'll match the doorknob so like right. i don't know i think so i think that the challenge with this one is the fi figuring out which key it is and then once you know which key it is that's i guess at some point you're gonna catch it like you it's not like i don't know it's maybe it's a, also time, a it's a time consuming task that's mm -hmm. all that it is i think it's just more the inconvenience of how long it could take 
Right. Okay. So keep that one in mind as you're going through which ones you think are, are the most useful. Um, next up is chess. Um, and I'm I, bad at chess. So... so here's the, but here's the thing. It doesn't require any magic. No, you, it's logic. You, it's not even logic. It's you just have to be good at chess. Um, and, and that's a skill because I'm, I'm not particularly good at chess myself. Um, mm-hmm. But Ron is, so that works out. I guess we can assume that one of Quirrell and or Voldemort is also good at chess. Um, but that's it. No magic involved. Just There's that, that to it. And then I think just the added stress, like we saw or well, we, we see in the movie and then we read it in the book. But like when Ron gets hit, he doesn't just get tapped or knocked over. Like no, he gets, he knocked, gets knocked out. So, so there's, yeah, there's there's some I guess I was maybe selling a little short, but there's some added um, adrenaline being added to it at the risk of you got to not only be good at chess, you have to be good at chess enough. And again, this makes it easier for Ron um, because he's playing with he has to only keep one of three people alive now. Yeah. To, to, to win, he has to keep the other ones alive because he doesn't want his friends to get hurt. But so while you're playing it, if you're only one person, you're going to take, I would personally probably take the spot of the queen because usually people save their queen because it's well, the most valuable. Chess yeah, piece. the queen is um, the most versatile too. So that makes sense. Yeah. And otherwise, right. like you're obviously not taking the spot of a pawn. I mean, probably Her- actually the right thing to do is to take the spot of the king because you don't actually have to do that much. And if you die, you lose anyways. So yeah. one of them should have been the king um, in hindsight. Yeah, like Ron didn't have to be the knight and going oh. out and killing everyone. But I, I'm going to touch on that a little bit later because I think that's part of his his character growth too All right. with All right. him wanting to be. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, th- their positions were interesting because Hermione was the queen, if I, if I recall. No, Hermione right. was a rook. She was a rook, okay. And yeah. then Harry, Harry was, was a spade. Was a bishop. Bishop. That's the same thing, right? Spade. I don't Spade know. Spade is a suit in carts. Yeah, it has nothing to do with chess. <laughs> but they're both. I don't know where little, they both got the pointy thing. They both the have a pointy top. Yes, that's, um, that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next, so they do get by the 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 chess, and um, I think chess would be maybe difficult for us, but if you're conveniently good at chess, that helps. Yeah. Um, the next one is the troll. They don't have to fight. We don't know a lot. We don't know a lot about it. We know that they've taken on a troll before, but this troll was much more dangerous. I think the troll is one of the best defenses. And we'll, again, we'll talk about which ones we think are the best in a second here. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the troll is actually very good defense. Um, I think so. I think they just have an added benefit. I think it is unlikely that Harry and Hermione both, like together they get by another troll. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit of a fluke they got past the first one. Um, So this, I think, is a little bit of luck um, for them. Mm-hmm. And then well, especially it, knowing that Hermione is the type that just freezes and it's going to be Harry basically on right. his own. And right. yeah, they just, it, they got very lucky in the fact that Quirrell, Voldemort or whatever had already come through and probably had taken care of it pretty easily, but they wouldn't have been able to. And then we get to the potions, which again, no magic required. And not that every defense needed to be magical because i guess technically the troll is not magical either i just i would have thought there would have been more magical skills required you'd have um, to use magic logically on the troll so i mean right like you got your magic involved right but way, i, I would have thought they would have wanted to make sure that only a really tough. strong wizard but again maybe they didn't like and this is sort of what i was thinking on the dumbledore uh, conversation we had a bit earlier is yeah maybe he wanted them to be able to do it um but let's talk about potions real quick so it's a logic test as we as you mentioned seven bottles so i solved it i walked through the i walked through the four um clues they gave you and this is what you know um 
based on the clues they give, bottle number. So the first clue, um, or I'm not going to go with them in order. I'm just going to use them to help walk through how to solve it. So we know that the second one, I've from left to right, I've numbered them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the second one and the sixth one are the wine. Mm -hmm. um, we know that poison is always to the left of wine. So that means the first one and the fifth one are both poison. We know that the first one and the seventh one are different, but neither moves you forward, which means the seventh one can't be poison and it can't move you forward, which means by process alone, it's going to take you back, which leaves mm -hmm. you only two ones you don't know. Three and four are one of them is poison, one of them is not. And then we have the other clue that says neither the smallest cup nor the biggest cup hold poison. So um, we obviously can't see them, but Hermione does tell us in a second that drink the small one. Um, mm -hmm. So the only way that you could actually even solve this is that has to be the case. The third of the three and the four, one of them either has to be the biggest or the smallest. Otherwise, this is unsolvable. Um, <laughs> but if that's not the case, it really wasn't that hard. Um, no, like it's something that if you would have just put some basic thought in, it's no different than I, solving a puzzle like at, a, at, a, at an escape room or something. Yeah, so I, I've never actually done that exercise of, of walking through it. And I never really like, I, I didn't realize actually, as I was reading through it, that they then explained it to you right after, like I somehow skipped over that every time I've read it. So I wrote it down, I wrote the clues, I solved it in like three minutes. Um, it's really not that challenging a logic puzzle. Um, yeah, the most interesting thing that I got out of that was like Hermione explaining that a lot of the greatest wizards don't actually have a lot of logic to them. And I think that's that's where this becomes interesting to kind of talk through is we know that wizards are eccentric, right? Like that's sort mm -hmm. of, we know Dumbledore, we know some of the ones we saw at the very beginning when, when Voldemort fell, like they're kind of, kind of, kind of out there. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that someone who's like devoted their life to studying magic doesn't deal with a lot of logic, but at the same time, I didn't really think that was that hard a brain teaser, but maybe, no. maybe without like any type of um, critical thinking, maybe, maybe people can't solve that. I don't know. Let us know if you ever tried to solve that and we just made you feel really bad because you can... <laughs> Um, but yeah, not that hard. Um, and then, yeah. And then Harry goes through it and we're at the end. So we've gone through all the things we've talked about them a bit. Let's start with which one do you think is actually the most useless? The most useless to me would actually probably be the one that we just talked about with I the agree. potion test. I actually think it's the potion. Anybody you, you, could solve you that solve it. given enough you time. You just take the time. Yeah, you just take the time and you, you'll be able to figure it out. It doesn't matter whether you're actually really good at logic puzzles or, or not. If you just take a few minutes to think about it, <laughs> you'll be able to figure it out. Right, okay. So that, yeah, definitely that for me. And then I guess if we were to go kind of like from, keep going in that trend and going from least to sure, most useful. Um, after that, I would probably go to the transfiguration of the chess pieces. Again, I, I was gonna, so I went there as well. That's what I was thinking of. Again, if you can't do, if you can't play chess, then sure, this is really hard. Yeah, um, but like, especially like like you had said, you put yourself in the position of the king where you aren't going to be in danger of lose, getting killed or hurt or whatever unless you end up losing. You, I don't know. If, if you're no good at it, then it sucks. Like it's I, another I one of those stuck at it, but it's... It, but in that case, like, so if, if I was in this situation, if, I'm, if I know I'm no good at chess, I'm just probably turning around Mm -hmm. and being like, I guess I'm not getting this. Like, it's not trapping me. It's not right. hurting me. I'm just having to abandon at this point. So that's yeah. why I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not too big there. 
Uh, yeah, I get up, that time of the essence was was a thing and that they had to do it. But like, yeah, if I if I had the time, I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna go back, read up on some chess, and then I'll then I'll come back. Right, right. Cause they're yeah. Um and then so then I think the next one is the keys. Um, how hard is it to actually acquire the key? We don't really know what Quirrell did, but we assume that on his own he was able to get it. Um a really good flyer into mediocre flyers were also able to get it. How hard is it really? I went with Fluffy here because okay. I just, I, I get that he's super dangerous or whatever, but as soon as you know what the weakness is, he's so easy to get by. Yeah, but that's sort of the case. Like... The, so the trouble with that approach is like, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those like five piece puzzles and it's like solve this puzzle and it's really hard. And then once you see how to do it, it's not hard at all. That's how I feel about Fluffy. So that's why I thought the key's here. And then I would have put Fluffy. Um, but I think that's going to leave us with the same top two. I think so. Because the troll I, I went yeah. and the devil snare. Yeah. So which one do you think is the most difficult? The troll. If I'm coming at, if I have to face a troll at full force, then I would think I would have a lot of trouble with that. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think it's the devil snare because if you can't recognize it, you have a limited amount of time to recognize it. With the troll, you can maybe dodge it. I don't know what kind of space yeah. you have. Um, but you can also, I'm assuming you're some sort of a pretty good wizard. You could probably have some spells to throw at it. The devil's snare is you have to recognize it very quick. And then you also have to know how to get past it. Um, yeah. Again, if you know how to get past it, you know how to get past it. But I think it's one of the very few items in here that's like, you have to be good at it quickly. A lot of these things are take your you time, take your time, go through yeah. it. You're okay. The devil's that's snare true. is you've got to go fast. Um, so that's that's me. But that's, I guess, I, well, all I want to say on to wrap this one up for me here is that, yeah, these are not that strong of protections. No, it's something that if you take your time, you do your research with, you're able to figure it out or go in you, bunches, right? Because you know what like, the obvious, they had a some great advantage with, with the three of them there. The obvious thing here to me is why is there no like some sort of alarm that, um, okay, someone just walked past the devil's snare someone, door. Someone breached the perimeter. <laughs> yeah. That, that, if you have that combined with these and you're not just alerting Dumbledore, but you're alerting McGonagall and Snape and whoever else is in charge here, like why isn't there an alarm when the trap door opens? Yeah. Uh, no, that's very true. So, yeah. That's all I'm, that's all I'm, that's all I've got here on the protections. Anything else on the protections? No, on the protections that, that wraps it up for me. Um, I guess I thought it was kind of neat how that blue fire spell that Hermione uses to ward off the, the devil snare keeps coming back. Like it was used to keep them warm at one point it is used to distract Snape and Quirrell. And then you get to see it used again. So I just thought it was kind of neat how it got. Well, I actually thought, um, back. This chapter in general, this is a thought I had for later, but it's, it fits here nicely, is I thought there was a lot of that foreshadowing that really paid off for us here. So we had the fire, we had Harry getting the flute as a present, we had Ron being good at chess, we had um, Harry and, and Ron telling Neville that he, he can't be a pushover and he has to stand up for himself. Like I thought this mm -hmm. chapter like just really paid off a lot of the, the stuff we had been setting up coming up to it, which was awesome. Again, this like I said, this is my favorite chapter we've read so far. For sure. Um, and I actually think this is my favorite chapter in the whole book. Um, oh, absolutely. Like hands yeah. down, I'd, I'd have to say that, that you get that payoff. And then it kind of leaves me into like, I don't know, I love all the character growth in this, in this chapter as well, because Harry, he has that big speech where he reveals that he's going to go after the stone, whether Hermione and Ron come with him or not, because it's more than just the school and Hogwarts and the house cup and, 
he can't worry about being expelled because if he doesn't do his job here and if he doesn't put himself in danger to protect others, then there's going to be no school to be expelled from. So I, I really liked seeing that from Harry. We see great stuff from Ron too in this one where we know that Ron wants to be the hero of his own story. He wants to outshine his brothers, but then he is willing to sacrifice himself essentially to to allow Harry to go forward. And then just a lot of good stuff from Hermione as well and her realizing, and I think it's on one of the quotes that I touch on later too, just how being a good wizard isn't just book smarts, but it's about taking action, which is what makes Harry a good wizard as well. So she kind of comes to terms with that, that she doesn't necessarily have it all either. So there's there's yeah. so much that I just Again, love about this chapter. It's just, yeah, it's just the way I was thinking about those as I was going through it. It's like it's just it's just more payoff. Like the way mm -hmm. the way we really we really see them all sort of step up here is is excellent. Mm -hmm. Um okay, so the the I'm just gonna start that again because I got yeah. distracted. Okay, so what about things that you didn't remember? Um, what what was what was a uh, a nice surprise for you as we go? <laughs> it's hard because this chapter is so iconic, and I think I remembered most of it, but I had actually forgotten about the troll and how they just got to walk by this troll. So that's something that I forgot had completely forgotten about because I don't think it happens like in any of the remakes of the games that I may that I've played I don't know if it happens in the movie or not to be completely honest with you so yeah, I, just I think they like cut that, it from the movie I um, think the uh, details and, and just because, kind of skipped over and because they don't uh actually do anything I don't think they'd put it in a video of game. course right yeah it's, it's a lack of action so because of that I had kind of forgotten about it so that was kind of I don't know something that piked my interest or just something that I had kind of forgotten I had forgotten um that they all actually had to fly to get the key that too uh, yeah and then I had forgotten that they had told McGonagall uh to me which was like the big thing it's like man they told her they told her this was going to happen and she ignored them um which I think was important because they felt like they had no option but to go through they didn't they didn't just set out to do it because they wanted to solve a mystery they're like we have to because nobody believes us so yeah um that, that was it for me uh in terms of things that didn't make sense we obviously talked about the we difficulty did. level of the protections um did they keep a troll there underground for the whole school year like i guess did they so slave a troll they did i think i mean i don't know if they were i don't know if they were feeding it or what exactly but yeah i don't know what trolls do out. yeah i don't know what trolls do in their spare time but i can't imagine sitting underground in a it's castle that fun. I, I don't think they're sitting there reading a book or anything either so and i never thought about that from that perspective yeah it's not good it's not good uh, you know, get some exercise probably yeah uh what about you anything that that didn't make sense to you here a lot of the stuff that we just talked about i just i kind of thought that the three-headed dog was a great vicious awesome protector but has such a fatal flaw to it and i just said i don't know it makes sense but i just thought it didn't make sense at the same time yeah that and then uh McGonagall's reaction and just kind of chill without actually like wanting to know more about how they found out and what rules they would have had to have broken to find out all that stuff. So that yeah. was another thing for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of other thoughts on this chapter, the only one I have that we haven't touched on is I just want to make sure we we shout out Neville uh, yeah. for standing yeah. up to his friends. Um, it's it's important. 
Um, and it's one of the biggest, most obvious pieces of character development that we see. But mm-hmm. I wanted to have a special call out for that one on its own because I think it it's the most in terms of where they start at the beginning and where they finish up. I think he probably for has sure. the biggest growth. Um, people might argue that Hermione does, but but I don't think she does. I think she always sort of wanted to be this person. And we talked about it a lot in those they become friends chapters is she just needed to understand how, but yeah. more for Neville, it was he didn't need to understand how he needed to gain the confidence to do things he already knew he knew how to do. So I, yeah. for me, I think Neville probably the biggest grower of the of the students. Yeah, uh, I mean, like when Hermi- when Hermione is breaking a rule, she's doing it because deep down she knows that it has to be done or it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I think Neville had to overcome a lot more to get to the point that he's at now, especially like, and I think Dumbledore touches on it in the next chapter where it's one thing to stand up to your enemies, but another thing to stand up and kind of speak your mind to your friends and that type of thing too. And like he, it's hard and he pays prices for it too. Like he gets the crap beaten out of him. He gets uh, locked up into that, that spellbinding curse there. So, I mean, he, he pays some, he gets some bumps and and scrapes along the way from it all, but grows from it ultimately. So yeah, I think that's a good, good shout out. And I don't really have anything else to add that, uh, that I would have to add at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, we can move into our quotes. Um, the quote I have is all caps. It is Ron yelling at Hermione. <laughs> have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? Yeah. It is excellent. It is a great um, encapsulation of their relationship at this point mm-hmm. where Ron just expects her to be good at everything all the time. And, and it's a nice reminder that, you know, even even the, the smartest person needs a little uh, break every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just comedic as well, which uh, I didn't actually realize I was going to do when I created this quote section that I was always going to mostly go comedic route. But I like the comedic quotes. The book, book, the first book is light. It's a lighthearted book. So I went with lighthearted quotes for the most part. Yeah, let's let's take them while we have them for sure. But yeah, that, I really liked that one too. And glad that that was touched upon. And I kind of got like the point B of that is when Harry says that he's not as good of a wizard as Hermione or which that Hermione is. And she yeah. goes, me, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And then, oh, Harry, be careful. So that's like the first time that she's like, admitting and kind of acknowledging yeah. that her book smarts aren't everything. Yeah, I like that one too. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, LVP options here. I, I only had two that even crossed my mind. So we had Hagrid, who... Like revealed how easy it was to get him to reveal the information. Um, But I feel like we already pretty much knocked him for that on the whole dragon portion. So I think I'm going to go with Professor McGonagall here. Um, I just think that she needed to take them a little bit more seriously. Um, (laughs) Because again, what's the worst case if they're not telling the truth? So if they've lied to her and no one's trying to steal it and she goes to the efforts of adding some extra enchantments or, or calling Dumbledore or whatever it is, what's the worst thing that happens? Nothing? Nothing. They get what's a the, detention or whatever. Or, or, not, or not. Or it's like, yeah. well, they were just wrong. What's the worst case if they're telling the truth? Well, potentially the storm gets stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think like when you weigh those obvious best worst case scenario, like she should have done something. And may, again, we don't know that she didn't do anything. But it certainly doesn't seem like she did. Yeah, and and we have to work under the assumption that she didn't. I mean, we have to go with the information that we know. And based on what we read in this book or in this chapter, 
she doesn't do a lot. I'll give her credit for going like up to the corridor directly afterwards. But as soon as she sees them there, she she should be taking more action instead of just sending them away. So right, I think she I, did that to get them out of there, not because she believed them. Yeah, I think she yeah. maybe believed that they believed themselves. But again, I don't know if they've been. Who, where'd you go here? I mean, that that's my reasoning too. Like I, you look at any of the other characters in this chapter, you have Neville who does great things. You have Hermione, Ron and Harry who all do great things. Like, but I, I agree with you besides Hagrid and besides Professor McGonagall, I don't think there's anyone else that you can go with this chapter. So I, I had to go with McGonagall for, for the same reasons, just because I'd didn't think it was worthwhile to to yeah beat on Hagrid again even though anytime that there is a quote in a chapter from him being like oh I shouldn't have said that or just pretend I didn't tell you you automatically know that he's a he's not a bad candidate for for least valuable <laughs> yeah all right well the much more interesting discussion is who's most valuable yeah because um, I think there's four options here yeah uh, and it's our four first years we have Neville who has as we just talked about uh stood up to his friends we had Ron um the playing the the good chess game and uh, doing some self, but more importantly, the self sacrifice, like realizing that mm-hmm. um, he was going to have to to lose for the team to win. We have Hermione, who gets them out of the Devil's Snare, solves Snape's logic puzzle, realizes that her, Harry is actually the one who needs to go forward, mm-hmm. and then of course we have Harry, who gets Hagrid to tell them how to get past Fluffy and reveals that he had told somebody else. Uh, makes the decision that they got to tell McGonagall, you know, tells Hermione to light the fire is the one who mm-hmm. ultimately catches the key, but that's like a team effort. So maybe I shouldn't even attribute that one to him. So those are our four options. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go here? I, I went with Harry for two primary reasons. Um, and this is, I think I can reflect on this probably next episode when I'm sure we'll, we'll have a recap after, after reading the final chapter. I just I forgot how quick Harry is on his feet and how quick yeah. he is to it's come his up best with attribute. a plan. It the, really in, is. Like if you're gonna say that flying's his best attribute, fine. But like his best like skill in the wizarding world is is how quick he he realizes things. Um, yeah. 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 Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like he he's so quick on his feet to connect these dots realizing that the dragon egg is connected to Hagrid who is connected to Fluffy and putting that together and then also like his resiliency because what I really liked about this was that we saw Harry act on his feet again like really quickly being like hey all right this is the plan Hermione go hang out by the teacher's lounge we're gonna go up to the corridor right now that plan fails miserably and it could be very easy for someone to get discouraged by that but he just goes okay it's on to the next one so I, I mean like between that stuff and just how selfless he actually is because he kind of realizes that what he's dealing with is more than just is is more for the greater good uh it's not about house points it's not about getting expelled and that type of thing like he's he's an 11 year old who is dealing with really big emotions and he he handles them well under pressure yeah he's impressive uh here for sure i'm not gonna go with harry i'm gonna go with hermione um and my decisioning here is essentially the things when it when it comes down to the fact that in their trapdoor without Hermione they're potentially dead immediately. They're dead in the uh, devil's snare because she realized that it was devil's snare. She told them how to get past it. They just had to remind her that she knew how to create fire. 
and then she created the fire. Um, and, I, and to me, that's the differentiator here. Um, sure, she solved Snape's logic. That's to me as about impressive as um, some of the stuff that Harry did. Yeah. Uh, and and she uh, she sort of realized Harry's the one that has to go forward. Um, yeah, that that's okay too. But I think it's the it's the the stakes at which the devil snare presented and the stakes that she like she, it's a random plant like you ever well, that, go outside and you're like i wonder what that flower is and i'm like I, Ooh, a flower if it's not a tulip i don't know what it is if i um, look at anything in the woods and i'm like is that poison ivy i hope it isn't is that poison ivy i hope it isn't so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so i'm gonna go with hermione here um which i, I think is gonna is gonna leave us with one chapter to go and a fairly close uh, MVP LVP race, and we'll see how it turns out. Her- Hermione um, makes sense though for you. I mean, you you mentioned the Devil Snare being the most dangerous, so it makes sense that if she's the one who knew how to get past that, that that would be big on 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 the priority list for sure. It's very valid. Yeah. Yeah, and so that uh, that wraps us up. Um, definitely a longer episode Whew. this week. Um, those are two of our longer chapters, like I mentioned, um, 18 pages for Through the Trap Door, which is tied for the most, and then a 15-page Forbidden Forest. So a lot to, to talk about this week. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, next week, we'll probably maybe be a bit shorter, maybe not, because we're we'll going to talk the final chapter of the book, um, The Man with Two Faces, and then we'll sort of kind of summarize where, where we end up with the book, and then we'll talk about where we're going after after that. Yeah, so let us know. Let us know what you thought of, of these chapters and uh, what you're looking forward to next time. Mm-hmm. Give us a, a follow on Instagram at Harry Potter reread podcast. Send us an email. If you have any ideas, suggestions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us Harry Potter reread podcast at gmail.com. Uh, lot, lots to go forward with here. And I mean, I, I know we're not officially a seventh of the way through the series page wise, but books wise, we're, we're coming up on it. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to, to finish this one up. Um, I've enjoyed going through it, but it's not my favorite book in the series. Um, no, no, I, I, lo- I will save that. We'll save that for next week. Uh, it's a good book. It's for sure. Um, but I'm excited to, to get into some of the, the ones coming up for sure. We will be back next week with our final chapter of The Philosopher's Stone. Uh, we're available on whatever podcast platforms you're listening to us on. Uh, if you need it somewhere else, reach out. We'll figure out what has to be done. Uh, I'm David. That was Kyle. See you next time. Bye.